Welcome to the Heart Rate Variability Podcast. Each week we talk about heart rate variability and how it can be used to improve your overall health and wellness. Please consider the information in this podcast for your informational use and not medical advice. Please see your medical provider to apply any of the strategies outlined in this episode. Heart Rate Variability Podcast is a production of Optimal LLC and Optimal HRV. Check us out at OptimalHRV.com. Please enjoy the show. Welcome, friends, to the Heart Rate Variability Podcast. I am Matt Bennett. I am here with my good friend. I finally got her on the show. I've been trying to do this for so long, Sasha Harper. Uh, uh, we met through uh, Dr. Deborah Bourne, another friend of the show, and I've just come to greatly respect her work, her way of thinking, um, and I'm so happy, Sasha, to bring your work, uh, your energy, uh, your vibe to our audience. So, uh, welcome to the show, and I'd love to start out, just uh, introduce yourself. Your story alone could take up a whole podcast. Um, I love it. Uh, so welcome. Uh, give, give our audience just a brief introduction of yourself. Oh, well, thank you. That that feels like the best introduction I could have had. <laughs> thank you, Matt. I'm so happy to be here and speaking about this. So quick introduction, she says quick, and then we'll see where that goes. Um, so my name's Sasha. I know it's spelled a little funky. If anyone's interested, the origin is Serbia. Um, yeah, so that that letter sure there isn't a H in my name. Um, but yeah, so if anyone's seeing that written down, that's how we pronounce it. Um, so my story is I was a physics teacher. I was a physics teacher for a long time and I was like super burnt out mentally, physically. I had a wonderful list of autoimmune issues and like I didn't really know what was going on. And essentially it, the, I had a really big breakdown in 2017, I think, and it put me on this path to where I am now. So I um, eventually left teaching. I got mental health support from, from the UK, which I'm glad there was some level of support there. It didn't match what I needed, which was interesting. But it was the first time someone was like, mm, do you think you have ADHD? And I didn't at that point. Like even as a teacher in, um, you know, between the years of 2009 to 2017, I still had a perspective of ADHD as being like the Bart Simpson. <laughs> you know, any training that I had, it was it was like really on that like big scale. Uh, you know, like you know, the the top of the error bar. Yeah. <laughs> um and yeah, so flash forward, they said, Do you think you've got ADHD? I was like, what does that mean? They were like, Well, you know, well, at your age, not really much. They might medicate you. And because I was already like self-medicating with like alcohol and cigarettes, it wasn't something I was like really um, interested in pursuing at that time. Then we jumped to 2019. I was like, maybe let's look into this. Actually, I changed jobs. I was in a really great job for the Institute of Physics. Um, and I decided to explore it again. I didn't initially go with medication. Um, but long story short, that diagnosis really did shift a lot. It it put me in rooms and in spaces and places with people to really understand how that ADHD had been showing up, how it's been showing up and what I can do about it. And my journey then took me into trauma-informed coaching, um, 
you know, where we met our friend Deb, yeah. uh, learning from Dr. Gabal Mate about emotional processing and all of how all of these pieces intersect. And I am so delighted now as an ADHD coach to be integrating heart rate variability in my daily life and with my clients as well. So I hope that is a short enough introduction. Anything you want me to add, expand on? I think that, I think that's a great start. And I would love, you know, uh, to, to talk about sort of that, that, sort of a hint that you might have ADHD. And I know I, I would I would easily consider you an expert on this, this topic now. And so I would love to think, because I, I know this is kind of a softball for you with knowing your expertise, where does your understanding of the nervous system, especially with that, that physics background, uh, I, I know we share kind of the nerdy side uh, of this and and really digging in the nervous system as as you kind of let's let's make it a little personal uh, to begin with as you as you explored your yourself and this what this diagnosis kind of uh, meant for you where did the nervous system uh, start to inform your your thinking around yourself and obviously going to transition this uh, into your work afterwards so but let's start with you first uh, what what kind of insight did it give. Uh, to to your own condition. Well, for, for me, so to, to clarify, I, I did get a formal diagnosis in 2019. I don't know if like I, I said that I did. Weirdly, I actually got two. Uh, that's for a different reason. Um, but I can say this, like hand on heart, learning about the nervous system was one of the most transformative things that I have ever learned about myself as a human being, and especially as a human being diagnosed with ADHD and ASD, which is autism. So for me personally, like it's a, this is actually quite interesting. So how I got into the ADHD world, I, I got my um, I got my diagnosis in 2019 and then 2020 happened. So uh, there was a lot of big change, the way we were interacting with each other, with the way we were like sharing information. So Matt, I decided to start a meme page. And this <laughs> was like... Um, you know, I, I would make memes about my ADHD and I would share them. And I did not do it for like to grow. Like I run a business now, the certain things I do for growth, but like this, what I did, it was purely like, here's a creative expression of my ADHD. And throughout what, I, and that, that page grew, it grew to around 30,000 followers, like really quickly. And what was interesting is I actually had to stop the page. And it's because I was learning about the nervous system. I think I first was introduced to it by my coach, Mustin Kip. Um, and when I started to integrate, like what that actually meant for me, you know, as a person with a nervous system and these diagnosed, um, well, it was just ADHD at the time. It was like, I can no longer make the memes that I was making and say, this is ADHD. Hmm. Because in those moments, I knew that experience was my dysregulated ADHD. Cause I was embarking on a different part of my life where it was like, oh my God, I'm not living in chaos. I'm not living from my fight or flight response. Like I actually have more choice and agency over moments that I've never had before. Mm. And 
and yeah I actually like my page lay dormant for like over a year and a half I think I just had to because you know like integrity I, I literally couldn't put stuff that's not true I did actually I reposted old stuff because I was like what what do I do at this crossroads right. because so much of what we understand as ADHD is actually a relationship between a dysregulated nervous system and ADHD, which makes perfect sense because a big part of regulation, as we know, comes from the vagus nerve and the relationship to the prefrontal cortex. So the fact when we've got ADHD, we have a weaker prefrontal cortex. It's not just like, oh, we've got a dysregulated nervous system and that's all ADHD is. Absolutely not. We have a difference in, you know, you can see it in an MRI. We can see a difference in these processes, but one of the best, most liberating things in the world is we don't have to only experience our ADHD or autism from a place of dysregulation. And I appreciate there are so many factors here. We've got socioeconomic, we've got different intersectionalities here, which, you know, it, it's not as easy as, you know, regulate your nervous system because there are many things that, um, are out of so many people's control. However, I think it's super important. And, you know, I I struggle a little bit when I'm seeing a lot of ADHD content exactly as I used to put it out there. So there isn't judgment. It's more of a frustration, which is I would love everybody to know the empowering and liberating experience of learning about your nervous system and building it into a life with ADHD. Yeah, and I, I wonder, you know, as you talk about that, because for, for me, I had a very similar experience with trauma. Like, for first, like as a survivor of childhood trauma myself, obviously, I got into psychology. One, I wanted to help people. Two, I wanted to figure out this thing, like, what 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 is what is that, you know? And that that is a going to be a lifelong process uh, that I'll probably never fully understand, but. You know, the, the understanding the brain, understanding the nervous system really uh, helped me clinically um, understand the behaviors and other things that, you know, I was working with and then working in, you know, autism back in the early, uh, like 2001, 2002, before we had a lot of the brain science we do now, you know, what we were learning about the nervous system and autism sort of was very informative. And a lot of folks that I worked with with autism had ADHD or, or some undiagnosed where they couldn't be in a public school classroom. So, um, you know, really working with them from, okay, what, you know, sensory stuff, just, I mean, a bouncy chair I saw be life-changing, brushing, and then I started doing brushing myself. I was like, oh, this is awesome. So like all that thing. So I wonder, like, when, when you help people understand their own nervous systems, um, what are some of your approaches with all the complexity we you and I could nerd out with for days and days on, but may not be practical for everybody? What's your approach to, you know, coaching others about and helping them learn about their own nervous system? That That's a great question. And I think the the focus is it's their own nervous system. So like my job as a coach, what I center any form of support or intervention around is like I have I have my triangle mm -hmm. and it's uh, and HRV is right in the middle. Um, and it's a, it's a it's it's essentially we look at where someone at, is at in relationship to the triangle. And so on one side, we've got the nervous system. 
So if they are struggling with something, we might just look at it through a nervous system lens. So for somebody that I'm working with who has no idea, they know they have ADHD, they know they have the common symptoms and struggles, they've resonated with things that they are seeing, <clears throat> we, we, like maybe we're focusing here, we're getting, we're, we're literally, there's education around the nervous system and then experientially, how does that show up? And what do they need to regulate their own nervous system? Because you even said like, oh, like autism and brushing. What I find fascinating is we have this terminology, you know, stimming. It's more so in the autism community than ADHD. There's a lovely crossover, which is brilliant. From, from the neuroscience perspective, it's just self-regulation. And sometimes it is forced self-regulation. It's less conscious. And what I mean by that is like, if we're pushed, you know, we're in sensory overload, we're, we've not been able to honor our boundaries, our sensory or emotional needs have not been met or they've been pushed, the body's gonna take over and say, I got this. And it might start like shaking or, you know, the, the typical symptoms that are understood in like a meltdown. Mm -hmm. but you know before that you know when we're in more control of like what's going on for us these stimming behaviors like I'm doing it now I'm like moving around in my chair like I've got my legs crossed which is like bilateral stimulation I know you said yeah. like nerding out you know like all of these things to help focus and process in in the moment so you know we'll we'll look at the nervous system and with that person with that individual piece the other side of the triangle is the belief system. Like what, you, you know, this is where the trauma history comes up. Mm -hmm. And, you know, what experiences has someone had in the past, which is showing up in their nervous system and how can we address them safely? How can we shift those beliefs? How can we realize that, you know, for somebody that I'm working with, it might be actually allowing and honoring their needs. There might be a belief that, that they, they shouldn't have a sensory need or they shouldn't, um, you know, only work a four hour day in the conventional sense and actually spend time regulating and having nutrition and exercise that actually supports them to, to work cognitively for those four hours. Because actually they've even shown studies to show that neurotypical people don't effectively work for more than four hours a day anyway. So it is breaking down these belief systems, which they have um, cultivated from their individual experience. And I, I don't mean cultivated like they've chosen, you know, that they have come up from their individual environments or the societies that we've been raised in. And we kind of then look at like, how's that showing up in the nervous system? Mm. Then we've got that, that ADHD piece, the other side, which is, okay, like how does your individual or that individual's brain actually work? So if we're looking at it, like what does Matt need to have the best day? Like, what does his routine look like? And that could be wildly different to mine, but you might have a set of like support routines and behaviors that help you. I might have that uh, they have to be, you know, set and so basically what I'm trying to say is it's individualized. Mm -hmm. Um, And so it's, it's really looking at where somebody, where they might come to me for business they might come to me for personal re reason, whatever, whatever their challenge and goal is. So we kind of like look at their challenges and goals and we, we, we jump off at one of those points, usually around the nervous system, then the belief system. And then like, okay, like, so what is it that you actually need? And then, as I said, in the very, very center <clears throat> of that triangle is heart rate variability. You know, I, I 
I am very privileged to be able to offer my clients, you know, optimal HRV readers and the apps. So we can actually get to know what their energy, like what's in the tank for them today. Yeah. Because HRV and their cognitive function are directly related. Mm-hmm. So one of the, and, and if I'm not asking this question correctly, uh, please, please correct me. Because I it's it's a question that I, I, I haven't kind of been in the trenches on for a while. So I hope my, correct my language or my thinking in any way that, that is appropriate is one of the things that I, I still know is going on today in our school system because my wife is in that school system. I have a lot of teacher friends. I dealt with it when I was running schools uh, a little bit less because my the the students I was working with were so severe. I actually worked to get them off some medication because sometimes they'd be taking eight medications and I'd have no idea who the child was that I wanted to help. So we would actually hospitalize them sometimes once we got them stable enough, hospitalize them to say, okay, docs, you put them on all these medications. We don't know who the kid is anymore. Like, and I, I think that that's, a, that's an extreme example, but one of the things I still see is, oh, if we don't want our child on medication. Uh, medication is still a big issue. And, and I'm looking at it like clinically is, you need medication. Like the, you, have a, you have a condition it's treatable with medication. We may not want to like most conditions. Medication isn't the only thing we want to do, yeah. but it, but ADHD seems to be an interesting thing where medication, there might be stigma around it. I know there still is for parents medicating their children, which I have empathy for, but I wonder kind of how you handle that because I also know you offer people HRV biofeedback, residence frequency breathing, I'm assuming you're trying to strengthen prefrontal cortex function. So how does the psychiatric intervention kind of fit into your triangle and thinking about ADHD? That is um, <clears throat> absolutely brilliant question. And so what's interesting, just because I, I like to do a rule of three. So the, the three sides of the, um, the triangle, it's the nervous system, belief system and the top one where I would usually say it's it's the ADHD actually I call that the support system mm -hmm. and that is anything required to support your current level of cognitive function and functioning and regulation and anything and, and where you want to go to it so you know I, I'll use myself as an example when I got the diagnosis in 2019, I didn't want to go anywhere near medication for similar things that you have spoke about. It's like, I'd heard things and it was like, and you can't drink alcohol on it. And for me, it's not something I wanted to go towards. Yeah. And it was a fear-based reason. Um, during 2020, when I actually, um, and if we think about it, so I went from going into schools and training uh, teachers around it was really interesting, actually. I was on two projects. I was helping coach um, teachers to teach physics, but also I was training teachers on unconscious bias. So I was getting into the the spaces of like, okay, what's going on uh, below the surface? Yeah. So yeah, it, it felt very serendipitous to be in those spaces as I was learning about myself um, as a person with ADHD. Mm -hmm. And um then what happened during COVID? So think think of these regulating things that I was doing. We know co-regulation is actually really, really important for ADHDs. Yeah. 
Mm. You know, we don't talk about the relationship between dopamine and oxytocin enough, especially in the ADHD space, the trauma healing space. Why is why is safe co-regulation so important? And the, the answer to that is why body doubling and support and non-judgmental spaces for neurodivergence is also so important. And, and, and I think like the, you know, we, we will accept that body doubling, um, you know, where two people like get on and do work, me and Dev do it all the time. Um, what, what we, we accept that that's important, but we're not actually looking at why and mm-hmm. why is that supporting cognitive function? Anyway, I digress because we are super nerds. So we could talk about that, but like, that's, that's not the question. Um, so going back to, so, I basically was going physically out to schools. So I was around people and I was stood up there and I was talking and I was regulating, I was moving around. When COVID happened and we all went on Zoom, you know, my my physical output reduced. My natural amount of movement and connection, as for many people, absolutely reduced. And my cognitive function suffered loads. And I was like, wow yeah I like I didn't I I was like I was on the up I'd left teaching you know that that was an environment that really wasn't supportive for me and I had improved in so many areas had this diagnosis blah 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 blah. but as soon as like those you know those parts of my support system were removed I really started to struggle so I actually started on medication in January of 2021 and I did it for about a year and it was a great tool for me. Yeah. You know, I initially noticed a level of calm and regulation inside of my brain, which I had never experienced or had no recall of ever experiencing, which is huge. Yeah. And then I went through a number of medications and they didn't really like that. I could feel them coming out of my system. So I might get a, a level of regulation early on in the day, but then it was coming out of my system at night. And so it was like, you know, the, it was it was a supportive tool but at a cost and then I found like a long acting one which worked and I enjoyed it for about a year but then it was so I have a menstrual cycle people don't talk about how medication is you know um, metabolized differently at different parts than the menstrual cycle so you know I was still getting like on average two good weeks and then two really like Mm. a bit stressy like um, less cognitive and more anxious times. And so I was very lucky and privileged to be able to make the decision, which is I have a life of regulation. I have built support. I have um, awareness and I've got, you know, I have a level of regulation, which I no longer require this tool for. Hmm. So I've stopped taking medication. Excellent. So as, as we look at things like you know, medication for, for not like I said, and I appreciate you sharing your, your own journey with it. I, I don't know why we still have stigma around some of this stuff, but you know, we're, we're, we're getting better. Like, so you, you got, you got HRV biofeedback. I know you also knowing you that there's other things on your, uh, you know, wellness, resiliency, uh, things that you do. So when, when you think about ADHD and you think about, you know, what we know about how it impacts the nervous system. And again, a very uninformed question, uh, but I don't think inappropriate. Is ADHD more a condition that you're going to live with throughout your life 
or is it something cure might not be the right word but but is there like hey i don't i can get to a point where i don't have where if i go in to get a diagnosis i'm not going to have the symptoms to to get that yeah sorry That is an absolutely great question. And I think it's really important to answer it in a number of ways. So yes, you know, I know a lot about this stuff, but I also don't know the lived experience of every individual. Yeah. Um, and I think what's really important is from my experience, there are three main stages of living with ADHD. And I just want to preface my answer with this. You know, when I was undiagnosed and living in that dysregulated chaos, not knowing that I had a weaker prefrontal cortex, not knowing that these things I was experiencing wasn't my fault. And that, you know, inter you know, in internalizing that experience, getting a medical condition, um, a, a med sorry, a medical diagnosis that it was not my fault was so important. And that's what I said, you know, I was making... The, the memes, I was feeling validated. It was a really, really important stage to move from that undiagnosed chaos into like, this makes sense and this is why. Mm -hmm. What I then did after a while, once I'd integrated this like new, I don't know, call it identity, if you will, label, whatever you want to call it, this new reality, once I'd integrated it, and I was lucky enough to be exposed to the nervous system and understanding the role that plays with my prefrontal cortex. You know, we're not sitting here saying ADHD is dysregulation. We're saying there is a very strong relationship between the two and dysregulated ADHD and regulated ADHD are different experiences. Like I sit here, I run my own business, right? But I am, you know, I still got ADHD. I still have to manage my life, my time, my experiences as a person with ADHD. Mm -hmm. However, those experiences are wildly different to when, you know, I was, you know, struggling and I was self-medicating with alcohol and cigarettes because I didn't know the role that those that alcohol and those cigarettes were actually. Playing. So let's look at cigarettes as a stimulant. We talk about mm -hmm. medication, stimulating that prefrontal cortex, stimulating the nervous system to be able to get stuff done, to process emotions, to be able to like, you know, respond to my environment the best way that I can, not the most effective way. Yeah. However, that that's what I was doing. So they are that there are those stages where it's kind of like you you you're undiagnosed as an adult or even as a child, but I, I can't speak to that experience because it wasn't my experience. Um, and then, you know, being in that label, I just, um, I, I don't worry, that's not the right word. I don't know what the right word is, but I, 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 I think I, I alluded to it before when I see people saying like, this is ADHD and this is the experience of ADHD. There's a part of me that, yeah, really wants people to be able to hear. It's like, there's a role in your nervous system is playing in that. And that, that, that it's a big part that what drives me as a coach and an advocate for ADHD is actually getting that information out there. So that's kind of a, a side point. And then we've got that growth space where, you know, I would say 
I, I'm experiencing, as, as you said, understanding Matt, it's a forever journey, understanding the relationship between ADHD and the nervous system and our past experiences. It's a forever journey. And, you know, there's a lot of debate out there. Gabor Mate, you know, speaks to ADHD being a relationship between genetics and environment. Mm -hmm. Some people are very opposed to that. I am very much where I'm at personally is we have these clusters of symptoms due to a weaker prefrontal cortex. I'm open to that. I, I love discussing these things. I, I'm, I'm absolutely interested as a scientist and individual, like the origin story of all of this. Yeah. But me personally, it's kind of like right now, my passion is an understanding, <clears throat> is it something you're born with? And is it this, that, and the other? Because what I'm dealing with in the now, and this may change, this may change. I'm saying this is, you know, the beginning of 2024, there's a symptom cluster which people experience that when we look at the right support, when we look at improving our HRV, when we look at all of these pieces that interplay with ADHD, the nervous system, all that jazz, we can build a better quality of life for people. So is it something that we, we cure? I personally am not in the school of thought that it can be cured. I think if someone's selling you a cure, I'd be super curious around uh, why they're using that language, what their experience with ADHD is. Um, I believe that you can make significant, as I said, changes to your quality of life through regulation. But you say, you know, is it lifelong? Well, I think it's different for people with menstrual cycles and people who don't. If you're yeah. experiencing menstrual cycles, your ADHD symptoms, as with neurotypical people, your um, your brain function, cognitive function changes through that cycle anyway. Same with your ADHD. Mm -hmm. So the dopamine-estrogen relationship. And yeah. then starting perimenopause or menopause, that is going to change cognitive function and also your relationship with your own nervous system. Because we are complex little beings and we can't just like isolate these pieces. So, you know, living with something like ADHD is a lifelong process because the support we have in one stage of our life may be different to another. You know, people who do have children and don't have children or people are in like certain jobs or, you know, as I said, I was fine in one job. I was in technically the same job, but when it changed in COVID, then my symptoms were exacerbated. So I don't know if I've answered your question. No, I, I think it's good because, you know, it, it's it's an interesting, you know, again, uh, and we've just seen over the years, and I've been around for a lot of years now, just seen like the prevalence of ADHD just jump dramatic. And I think there's a lot of questions about, what is it? Why is it so more? Is it our awareness? Is is it drug use by the uh, increased drug use? Whatever. I mean, I've heard so many theories uh, thrown around and I, I haven't necessarily heard science come in and say, here's the answer to all these questions about this. I think our treatments have gotten better. Our mm -hmm. awareness has gotten better. Uh, you know, however you know, looking, you know, where, where are we going in, in the future with this? And one of the things I have to ask you, because as our listeners know, this is a, a big part of my thinking is you come from this from a trauma-informed perspective. 
And one of the things that I've been, whenever I get medical providers in the room and talking about trauma, I really try to get an awareness that things like ADHD, I, I would also throw autism potentially for some people. You can see, I, I actually interviewed an autism specialist is, you know, we, we really in some ways can't separate autism from trauma in a lot of cases because the symptoms of untreated trauma and autism a huge amount of our, and he wasn't making a scientific statement. He was, this is where I'm seeing the science lead us. I also like, Hey, if you see uh, ADHD symptoms, we see underdeveloped prefrontal cortex, overactive sympathetic, overactive amygdala. You may be seeing trauma. This is why the importance of what happened to you and why I hate the DSM, well, hate is a strong word, but why I hate the DSM right now is we don't look at trauma developmentally. We look at it as symptomatically. And if you don't ask what happened to you, you might be missing some of the causes of these symptoms that could lead to an HID, uh, excuse me, an ADHD diagnosis that could lead to medication, which may be good, may not be good, but we're not addressing some of the underlying issues that could be trauma. So how do you bring these two together? And I'd love if you can throw anything about the nervous system in there uh, as well. Yeah, I mean, it's a really important question. And, you know, I, I, I my background, I, I didn't say this, like my, my master's was in particle physics. So I, I am a scientist and I am very privileged to be able to you know, look at papers and with maybe more of a critical eye mm -hmm. than your average person, which is is wonderful. And there is, you could have a board of experts in the field who will um, disagree on their belief of the origins and relationship between ADHD and trauma. Um, all I can say is from what I know and my perspective, and this is just one perspective, is what seems to be very, very probable is there is a genetic component. This is many, many studies out there which ratify a group of genes uh, for ADHD. And I believe now autism, but I'm less sure on that one, um, that, are, that are present in people diagnosed with ADHD, right? So we've got a genetic component to sensitivity, which means, and, and you know, Gabo, talk, Gabo Mate talks about this, people who are more sensitive are more prone to be creative. Mm -hmm. And when we're regulated and we can harness that, so it's a beautiful gift. But if we are really sensitive and we are not in environments that are seeing our needs and meeting our needs, we are more likely to experience trauma. And I think this is where the nervous system and the whole point of like, what is the relationship between ADHD and trauma? I think it is accepted that um, people with ADHD and you're divergence with this sensitivity are more um are more likely to experience trauma because what are we talking about with uh, when we're saying the word trauma it is my understanding and this is where please correct me if if you think i'm uh, using incorrect terminology or you know this is incorrect it is my understanding when we are talking about trauma it is when we experience an event or a series of events which are so overwhelming for the nervous system to be able to process the body copes in in many different ways and we can you know fragment memories we can internalize belief systems we can be in you know hypervigilance we've got that overactive amygdala we have all these variety of responses to when our nervous systems are overwhelmed so if you are more sensitive 
and you are going through these periods of overwhelm or you know series of events of that are, are causing this level of overwhelm then there's going to be that relationship between you know what is ADHD and what is trauma you know, like I'm sat here, well, I've got the ADHD and the autism diagnosis. How, how do I differentiate those? Mm-hmm. You know, well, I actually can't because I'm a human being. So everybody, like I, 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 I advertise myself as an ADHD coach, but you know, when I was putting those ADHD memes out there, there was a level of what has been now diagnosed as autism spectrum disorder that people were relating to. So I think it can be super useful to see labels and, Labels as resources, uh, uh, sorry, as guides to resources and community. And that's where the DSM-5 really just is pointless in, 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 in my perspective. You know, it is not serving people for those key reasons. So with that ADHD, trauma, autism piece, it's like, how has that individual with these set of symptoms that are showing up now, how has their pre, that's why I say, you know, the belief, um system arm in my triangle is we we look at your previous experiences we look at where those belief systems have been formed we look at what's happened to see what's happening with your nervous system and therefore what's happening with your nervous system with your prefrontal cortex so and it goes back to your previous question you know even if we did unpick all of that trauma you know what we're still left with a weaker prefrontal cortex so whether what we are you know, truly identifying as ADHD or CPTSD, ultimately, what is the goal we want? Well, I I hope we want, you know, as a society, more people who are empowered to live the best quality of life that they can. And we actually understand our systems better. So we're not perpetuating this level of trauma. You know, you said the school system, I was in the school system, as in the school system as an individual, as in a school system as a teacher. And it's not only is it not neurodivergent friendly, it's not human development, developmentally friendly. So it's, it's just a weird place to be, essentially looking at like, you know, that that chicken, egg, or just Venn diagram of ADHD, autism, and CPTSD. So how do you then integrate HRV? I love the triangle. HRV is in the middle. With your coaching, how does it, you know, sort of inform, um, how do you use it as a tool? How do you integrate HRV into uh, your coaching? Yeah, well, essentially, the way the way I use it with clients is another tool that they can use to get to know themselves. Because a lot of the time, especially if we're we're moving from that chaotic space into into regulation for maybe the first time in our lives, that, that that's not true for all of my clients. Some some people have a level of regulation that mm-hmm. that's absolutely fine. But you know, to begin with, we we don't really trust our own perception of self because we've been told you know there's a disconnect between our perception of self what we find comfortable or achievable or whatever you know is it's not always been reflected back to us as accurate so it's it's using the data to really look at the, the nervous system and one of the ways that I like to explain it to my clients is like let's see what's in the tank for today mm-hmm. you know like how much have we rested and digested from the night before what's our starting point and, and, and learning 
to listen to those internal cues. So it's, it's data to help along the way to really regulate the nervous system and listen to where the body is at and, and, you know, improving vagal tone is going to improve cognitive function. Brilliant. So that's the longer term goal inside of the coaching container, but on a, on a daily basis, like how we integrate that HRV is really getting to know, um, yeah, what's in the tank for today. And then, you know, integrating those other pieces that may have come up in the one-to-one sessions and, and all that jazz, but essentially it's really getting to know, like, what are your limits? Because for many people, it's having put, being pushed past them, maybe because at school, why yeah. can't you sit down? Why can't you concentrate? Why can't you do all these things? So you, you're overcompensating with your fight or flight to to push yourself through. And it's like, okay, let, let's just maybe take the foot off the gas today. Or, oh, great, we, we've got a lot. It's a go day today. You yeah. know, we're, we're in the green. We're having a good day. Maybe this is something where you'd want to push yourself at a growth edge or maybe do a bit more, maybe push yourself physically or mentally a bit more. Whereas like if we're in those orange or red days, it's like, here's your data. Here's your permission to take it slower. Yeah. And do you see anything kind of unique? One of the things that always fascinated me about the people I worked with clinically with ADHD is we're giving them stimulants, <laughs> you know, and, and with the youth I worked with, we gave them a lot of stimulants, like, yeah, a lot. And so like, it's almost like a nervous system where logic is kind of skewed. I, I, it's a different nervous system in some ways with that. And you, you shared that smoking was, that was the stimulant that helped you found uh, regulation and, and how many addictions can be, be kind of targeted back to regulation in some way and probably the drug you choose is is uh reflective of your nervous system so have you got as as you look at other people's hrv track hrv any sort of insight specifically uh, your own hrv uh that that you see or are we looking at this population as really fitting nicely into what we know about heart rate variability i just because you specialize uh, in this arena, I, I just wonder if there's any insight that you have seen uh, as you've in integrated HRV into your work. Um, I, I, I wish I had a better answer to this, actually, because, you know, that I would love to do studies on this, actually, you know, and that is my scientific brain. I would love to have more controls and like actual studies because I, I have my own theories from what I've seen, but in terms of insight around like medication and the stimulants, yeah. I I can't directly say with that, but what I can share is a, a great analogy to um, to kind of like unify that, that anti-logic, which is like, okay, we're regulating people with stimulants, like what are yeah. you talking about? <laughs> the analogy, which I love with the medication is essentially, you know, think of like a crossroads. You know, mm -hmm. we don't have them as much. The US people do more so, but like we've got a crossroads and it's cars at the crossroads. And what's meant to happen is there's a police officer stood in the middle of the crossroads and the police officer is meant to wave people through, like stop and go. Okay. With somebody with ADHD, the police officer is asleep. So mm -hmm. they've gone to sleep. So what then happens is 
none of the cars know when to go, there's beeping, there's honking, and these are representing the thoughts and the pathways that are happening. Like the, the, that prioritizing, that logic, that processing, which the prefrontal cortex is responsible for, it's kind of like, it's a free for all, you know, th that's not online in the way that we'd want it to be. So what we're actually doing is like giving that police officer a cup of coffee or some stimulants to wake that police officer up so they can start at it, you know, like, do it, you know, controlling things better. And I think right. that's where a lot of people get, um, you know, confused. Like, you know, the, the, what what was on the medication, the one that I'm like technically still prescribed for is Lizdex amphetamine. And it's like, wow, how is that a regulating calming substance? But when we run it through like that analogy, it can be like, really like, ah, okay, you know, that's what's going on here. So we're stimulating that prefrontal cortex. But what I will say is anecdotally, you know, it's not like I haven't done studies. I, I, I wouldn't say like, oh my goodness, I have like so much data on this, but there is definitely a correlation between regulation, HRV and cognitive function and, yeah. and also quality of life. And I think that's the most important thing. I know I've said that a few times because somebody's starting point is you know ultimately they want to improve their quality of life doesn't matter what metric you want to use to get there it's that's the goal and there's yeah that's that's where i see the correlation yeah and I, you, what do you see when you're working with somebody as they progress through because i mean one of the fascinating this may be a, another episode uh, uh in and of itself but that that idea of the the beliefs uh, you know, of that, I, I think there's, for, for a lot of people, there's a struggle of doing that work. You're impacting the nervous system, right? That, that is an integrated part of your, your triangle. Um, you know, I, I'm thinking about like the self-compassion research that that's coming out. Uh, when, when you, this is just like, I'm obsessed about this idea right now, as we're talking, like, and some of those amazing that it's kind of separate than mindfulness or meditation. It's like, it's a whole different thing, but we're resetting those belief systems and in some ways resetting the nervous system with that. So as you do this work on your triangle, I just kind of wonder what are, what do you see with people's HRV over, over time? Um, and maybe the insight that it gives you as a coach or, or them as, uh, you know, somebody working with you. Yeah. I mean, uh, that's one thing I can definitely, definitely say I've seen correlation with is compassion. Yeah. And, and, and that's why, so my triangle, like I, I actually explain it. It's like, it's actually like a spiral as we move through, because it's like, okay, your nervous system here, what, what's going on? Is it because you're not supported? Why are you not supported? You have a belief that you don't have any needs. You mm -hmm. don't deserve to be supported. You're not used to reaching out and having your needs met. Oh, you're not used to, okay, great. That's amazing. Let's look at it that side. Or, and how, how do you, how do you bridge that gap from where you have been to where you want to be? Compassion. You can't yeah. shame yourself into better. You, you can't, you can't shame yourself into motivation. It, it, it doesn't work that way, but so many of us, and you know, you'll, you'll do, you know, transactional analysis. You know, I, I use, use that as an example to be like, Hey, we want to move from a critical you know, um, parent ego state into a nurturing one. The only way to do that is via compassion. Yeah. And actually having like a self-moderating 
environment which is built on compassion and not shame mm-hmm. and that is one of the biggest things and yeah as you said all all road lead all roads lead to rome doesn't matter how we get there yeah but essentially that 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 is that is the transformation is unpicking where have we yeah where have we internalized shame Sometimes it's just like, let's look at what, what it is, how it is. Sometimes it's why it is. As you said, let's look at that trauma history. Let's look at those experiences. But it depends. It's like, and, and each person's individual experience is individual. So I actually work with a lot of people who work too many hours. So at the beginning is breaking that down and actually celebrating doing less. And the HRV goes up when we're doing less. And I think that is a beautiful way to end my first episode with you because I, I'd love to unpack the entire triangle, uh, really dive into your expertise in the future. But Sasha, my friend, uh, thank you so much. Uh, we will put uh, information about Sasha, how you can get a hold of her um, in the show notes, which you can find at optimalhrv.com or just scroll down on wherever you're uh, listening to us and we'll put uh, Sasha's information in there. My friend, I'm so glad we finally got you on. I, I've been dying to share uh, you with our audience because uh, I know we've been working together of uh, helping implement Optimal HRV with you. And you've just been uh, such a great resource for us. Uh, I'm learning from you, I feel like on a regular basis. And I just got a crash course, which uh, I'm going to process for the rest of the day, I'm sure. So thank you so much, my friend. You are a joy. Um, and I appreciate uh, you sharing your expertise with our audience. Thank you so much for having me.